Today is Thursday, December 9th. The title for our devotional is Mary, Model of Discipleship. As we've already established, Luke has two stories running parallel and intersecting at various points in the first chapter of his gospel, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and Mary and Joseph. We've already noted some of the ways the two compare on Monday. In these two stories, we also see contrasting pictures of discipleship. Surprisingly, Mary is presented as the model of discipleship, whereas Zechariah is not, although he eventually comes around. Mary is a poor young woman from an obscure town way outside of the religious epicenter of Jerusalem. Zechariah is a priest, actively serving in the temple, where he receives the revelation from an angel. One would expect Zechariah to be the model of discipleship. But Luke, as he often does in his gospel, flips the script. Think the parable of the prodigal son and the tax collector praying. Zechariah questions at first, since Elizabeth is barren and beyond childbearing years. His doubt is met with the discipline of being made mute until eight days after John is born, where Zechariah writes out that his name will be John confirming that he believes what the angel has said to be true. Today, let's look at how Mary is presented as a model of discipleship. So again, let's read our text. Luke 1, 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Remember, today we're looking at Mary as a model of discipleship, how Luke presents her here. First, the angel greets her by calling her a favored one. The word for favored one is a derivative of the word most often translated grace, which is the word in verse 30, you have found favor with God. The implication is that God simply chose her out of his grace for this great calling. Mary is indeed a righteous young woman, but there's nothing in the text that indicates that to be the reason God chose her. He simply shows her for this great task. Next, Mary asks the question of how this will be possible since she is, quote, a virgin. Literally, I do not know a man, as we saw yesterday. Zechariah asks a similar question when the angel announces the birth of John to him. It says, uh, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. My wife is advanced in years. It seems strange at first reading that Zechariah is punished with being made mute for his question while Mary is not. They both asked. This is mere conjecture to a degree, since the text doesn't specifically say other than that Zechariah didn't believe it. Perhaps the tone, uh, first option is perhaps the tone of Mary's question was different. A genuine question versus a sarcastic disbelieving tone from Zechariah. His tone could have given it away or the angel could have simply known that Zechariah did not believe what he said. 
The, an- the reason that the angel gives for punishment is that Zechariah did not believe his words in verse 20 of chapter 1, although it seems as if Mary has her doubts as well by her question. Mark Galley, he argues, and this is number two, he argues that the difference between the two is in Zechariah's use of the phrase, how can I know? Zechariah doesn't believe, and he is simply seeking to be self-assured, whereas Mary is more curious. Zechariah's position, this is three, Zechariah's position as a priest should have led him to have a stronger faith. The expectation for him may have been higher than Mary, who has no, no formal theological training and does not work as a priest. Fourth, Zechariah's situation was so closely parallel to Abraham's that he should have known giving birth at an old age was something that God does. We can't really know the reason why Zechariah was punished for his question while Mary was not, other than what the text says, that he did not believe the words of the angel. Finally, Mary accepts the mission God has given her. This is the third way that she's a model of discipleship. After hearing the words of the angel, she definitively states, I am the servant of the Lord. May your word to me be fulfilled. Whereas this great calling came with notoriety throughout the ages, uh, to come, as Mary seemed to recognize in her Magnificate, which we'll read tomorrow, in the moment, this calling would have also come with a great deal of uncertainty and trepidation. As New Testament scholar Scott McKnight indicates, Mary would have been labeled a naop, or an adulteress, in her community. Of course, Mary knows that this isn't true, but in matters like this, community perception often comes with serious social consequences, whether true or not. Also, people have trouble believing the virgin birth today. Imagine hearing that explanation in real time. In this context, Mary's humble acceptance of the mission given her by God is a beautiful example of how followers of Jesus are to accept their calling from God, no matter the consequences. Her son will later similarly accept the will of God in the Garden of Gethsemane with the words, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, as he journeys to the cross. Mary's response is a good response to memorize and repeat often. I am the servant of the Lord. May your word to me be fulfilled. Tomorrow we'll look further at Mary's response in the Magnificat. Reflection time today. Memorize the response of Mary. I am the servant of the Lord. May your word to me be fulfilled. Don't just memorize it, however. Apply it to your life. Is this the desire of your heart? Is this your response to God's calling in your life? Is your yes on the table for whatever God calls you to, no matter the challenges and the difficulties that you may foresee?